Welcome back into Forward Progress here, part of the Hammer Betting Network. This is going to be a Q&A episode, and we'll be doing these over the course of the preseason. It's myself, Rob Pizzola, joined by George Silfidis. George, I'm excited for the NFL season, excited to take some questions here. And for those of you who are watching and you want to know how to get your question answered, just comment down below. It's very easy. We check all the comments on every video. We'll get to them. If not, you can also email us at forwardprogress at thehammer.bet or just DM us on Twitter at thehammerhq or forwardprogresshq. Easy ways to get in touch with us. And I will remind you as well, if you're betting on the NFL this year and you're in Ontario, make sure you have a Pinnacle account. Pinnacle is the world's sharpest sports book available to all bettors in Ontario. You can find out what pro bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus. And of course, as always, please play responsibly. George will get right into it here. Our first question comes courtesy of Takes by Jay on Twitter. At what point do we stop giving Justin Herbert the benefit of the doubt? This is the second year in a row he's ranked as a top-tier QB, a low of top five, and a high of top two on ESPN, The Athletic, and The Ringer. Should he be closer to his floor or his ceiling this year? Um, I want to start with a quote by uh, Eric Bischoff, one of my favorite personalities. Oh, yeah. And he always said, uh, numbers lie and liars use numbers. So I'm going to proceed to use some numbers to support uh, a pro Justin Herbert take for a second, because there's often people will point to his QBR and PFF grade and say, hey, he just doesn't show top five elite stats. And then here's my counter, right? Like, he is the most um, prolific passer through the first three years of his career from a passing yardage standpoint. He has scored the most points per game through the first three years of his career. Uh, but let's forget about that. I want to talk about a team that is sabotaging a guy with an unbelievable skill set and physical traits. I call it uh, they've got a Ferrari and they're, they can't take it out of third gear. They're wasting his talents. And to me, the part that sticks out for me uh, is two things. Uh, this is a team that was 29th in yards after the catch. So there's nobody doing him any favors as far as from a receiver standpoint and schematically to do uh, to get positive yardage after he's thrown the ball. Whereas like Miami and Philadelphia, who prop up their quarterbacks very well, are one and two in that metric. There, he's also like he has the third worst rushing attack in football. He has the lowest um, air yards of any qualifying quarterback. But to me, here's the number that stands out when I see it. Because first and second town is often scheme dependent, you know, uh, drawing up a good play. And his EPA per drop back is 20th on first and second downs. And he's 19th in EPA per drop back success rate. On third and fourth downs where you know he has to pass the ball uh, and you're going to the sticks no matter what, he's 10th and 6th. That disparity is the largest of any quarterback in football. So to me, it's the whole Anthony Lynn Jr. and Joe Lombardi are not putting him in good positions to win, especially with the play calls and the schemes. And his physical traits are bailing them out. And, and, and to, to the game that solidifies that for me is the Raiders game two years ago, the final game of the year where they needed to win to get in the playoffs. And he had to convert four fourth downs. It was literally all on his shoulder, fourth and 10 and longer. And that's where he showed how good he is when he gets to play freely and he understands the objective, whereas they're trying to confine a very physical, talented quarterback and turn him into a, a underneath Alex Smith, Drew Brees type quarterback. And his physical traits are way better than that. 
Yeah, I, I kind of echo everything you said there. So for me, I think he's way more likely to play closer to his ceiling this year. I really like bringing in Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. For those who are watching, you probably see the Dallas Cowboys symbol behind me. I'm a Cowboys fan. There are times where I'm critical of Kellen Moore in the past, but I do think that he's an upgrade for them as an OC, especially opening things up on first and second down for them. Utilized a lot of play action with the Cowboys altogether. And honestly, I just think Herbert is great. I mean, he really, really passes the eye test for me on top of, of everything else. So I think there's been a lot of contributing factors outside of his control, play calling being one, lack of a defense being able to stop the run over the last couple of years, just being kept off the field for long periods of time. There's one thing I will say about Herbert, though, which always drives me crazy, and I think he's got to learn it at some point or another. He can't turn off the fastball. And a lot of these short throws underneath – Lots of times he puts so much zip on them that ends up being up in the air. Receivers have tough time catching it. So I think there's a little bit of finesse that could be developed in his game to make him get to like that pure elite level. But ultimately, I don't have too many bad things to say about him. And I think he's way more likely to be closer to his ceiling for this upcoming season. You Our know, second, uh, ahead, I didn't really interrupt you, but I thought this was a settled science where he everybody thinks of him as a top five quarterback. But someone else whose opinion I greatly respect in football, we were having this debate about, you know, Herbert just doesn't get it done when it matters. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what are the most important positions outside of the quarterback position? Wide receiver, offensive tackle, edge rusher and corner. Those are the four premium positions that aren't quarterback. The Chargers lost receivers last year. They lost their left tackle. They lost an edge rusher. They lost a cornerback. It's like, despite all that, despite him breaking his ribs early in the season on, on an injury that takes six to eight weeks to heal, he still willed them to a 10-win record in a division with Patrick Mahomes and took him to the playoffs. So it's like, if that's his floor and he's been sabotaged by all these injuries, then like... Let's look at what his ceiling could be if everything goes right from that perspective. So, like, for me, Patrick Mahomes is clearly the quarterback uh, of the league of our era of all time. But I believe there's another tier that's just, you know, slightly behind him uh, at an elite level. And I believe Herbert's one of the three quarterbacks in that second tier. And just to add to that, you obviously mentioned the key positions, but also the Chargers' best players, which may not be at key positions, have missed significant time. Derwin James, Corey Lindsley. I, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a struggle for them. But I, I will say, like, it's getting to the point where he at least has to get this team into the playoffs, right? I know the AFC is extremely competitive. I mean, you, you look at the AFC this year, you can make an argument for a bunch of teams to win the Super Bowl. But at some point or another, this team has to take the next, next step. If you are in that tier 1A or 1B, I should say, you got to be able to take a team to the playoffs. But uh, at some point or another, I do think it's going to happen. And uh, I think that this might be the year. Our second question comes courtesy of at Hockey Bet Report. Different sport, but uh, we'll talk football here. Uh, this is more of a strategy question. When you're entering a bar against the spread pool where you pick every game, 200 plus entrants, are there any strategies you would use? Would you recommend playing on or against the teams with the biggest line moves during the week versus the stale numbers the pool uses? Uh, so for me, I do pick off stale lines. Um, the truth is I have a number that I create for every game and where I look at where the line is, consider the, the market movement, and then what my true line is. I, I can come up with the pick that I think. 
there is one thing that I do that um, on true 50-50 games where I'm like bang on the number and I don't have a strong opinion on, I legit will look at uh, public betting percentages. This is where it applies in a pool like this yep. and see what the majority of the public likes. And I'll, and I'll go against that just because if I want to create some variance where I can distance myself from others. I want it to be in true 50-50 games where I have no edge but everybody else feels so strongly about their perceived edge on a game like that, where it slants one way. That's one thing that I have uh, been able to do. The only time I actually start to do some work about, okay, I'm behind. It's like a week or two to go and I've got to close the gap. I start to look at what is the people at the top taking uh, regardless of line. There's some teams that are just going to bet every week. It doesn't matter what the line is. And I've got to pick my spots in later portion of the season so that I can make up some of the ground. Uh, good advice, generally speaking. Uh, talking to you, all the NFL betters out there, I think the biggest thing that comes in the way in terms of these pick em pools with a lot of people is just ego and thinking that you know better than the market. And if you're in a situation where you can wait right up until game time on Sunday to put in your picks, Honestly, what you should be doing is just checking what all the spreads are and finding the biggest differences between what your pool sheet offers. And I'm not saying the biggest differences in terms of number because, you know, minus five and a half to minus four, it's a one and a half point difference, but it, it crosses through a somewhat dead number in five. That's not the same thing as a one and a half point difference be, from minus three and a half to minus two. So being able to price each of these points is important, but Honestly, 200 plus players in a pool, I would imagine that at least 175 of those are just making their own picks, if not higher. And you have an advantage just by using the market numbers. I've had my brother doing this for years, who candidly is a horrible football better, but can use that strategy to win money in pools. And then as George said, as the year goes on, if you're up near the top, you continue employing that strategy. If you're chasing games at some point, you might want to try to do something different, go against the grain. Uh, but generally speaking, there's not enough people that are are doing this or utilizing this strategy yet, where I think it's still a significant advantage, George. Yeah, well, last year I was in uh, something called the Queen's Park Pool, and that's a government facility here in Ontario. So it's a lot of politicians, people in news media, journalists, and, and we all uh, enter the pool. And I'm second entering the final week of the year, and it's on CBS, so I'm able to backtrack and see what everybody's picked every week. And the guy that was in first by one game on me, um, we we had a lot of similar picks. And like, I looked at his Bengals board and he like picked them every week. And I'm like, all right. And if you remember last year with the Ravens and the question of uh, they're not going to play anybody, the line was up to like 12 and a half. Uh, but then it got bet down to 11 at close. The The pool line was 11 and a half. So technically taking the Ravens was the stale part uh, of that number. But I said, um, I've got to make up ground and I know this guy's going to take the Bengals and I just got to hope that the Ravens uh, cover. They ended up covering by half a point. They ended up losing by 11. But that's an example of like, okay, I don't want to make this pick, but I have to catch up ground. And I know this is for sure one game where he's not going to be on. And I'm like, okay, take a little bit of variance. And all of a sudden you made up a whole game on a guy. Yeah, especially later in the year. It's not necessarily a question of what do you think is going to happen? It's how do you you know, increase your, your positioning in that pool. And sometimes you got to do things that uh, you, you might not think are going to happen or just 
might not necessarily be the the best expected value move from a betting perspective, but uh, they'll help you climb the board. We're going to close it off with this question, George. comes from Arthur Dominguez, 7. What high variance teams are you looking to target when it comes to alternate regular season win totals in each conference? Personally, I'm on Raiders unders and Packers overs. Thank you. Okay, so the first thing I look at is um, what what my numbers say the win total should be and what the actual win total is. And obviously you have the larger discrepancies, but also take it one step further. If it's a division that has a lot of high variance teams where it could go either way, like take uh, the NFC North, right? Where Green Bay could be really good or really bad. And we don't know how good Minnesota is going to be. And Chicago's got high variance and Detroit frankly does. I'm more likely to look at a team like Green Bay and think alternative overs. Cause if I'm right, directionally you know uh eight wins is 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 almost not enough like you'd rather get them at 10 or 11 and the price that comes with it um and then a team like jacksonville where okay directionally i want to be on their under and i think the colts are wide uh you know wide range of outcomes and i believe tennessee is as well in houston and even though maybe i don't have as big an edge i say you know what if I'm wrong about at least two of these teams in either direction. There could there could be a huge opportunity to to get a line that's two uh, two games off of what the real number should be. So I look at my numbers first, and then I also look at their surroundings and how high variance the division that they're in is in. Yeah, I think that's generally good advice. Uh, I'll give out a couple specific teams. Don't hate me, people. I know you see the cowboy symbol here. Anyone who's watched forward progress for a long time or my content for years, you will know that I can bet on or against Dallas, but I like the alternate over on the Cowboys this year. There's a team that went 12 and five a season ago with Dak Prescott throwing the most interceptions in the league, which is unlikely to happen again. They address significant areas of weakness, adding Brandon Cooks at receiver, adding Stephon Gilmore, they, bring, they draft Mazai Smith, who's going to be their nose tackle on the defensive line. I think this is an extremely deep, solid team with huge upside. Now, I'm very much concerned about the McCarthy-Schottenheimer combination there and maybe not giving Dak the freedom to throw downfield as much, too much early down running. But ultimately, if things align... This could easily be a 13-14 win team. And remember, they finished 12 wins a year ago, but that's not their win total this year. It's adjusted down. So they could easily replicate what they did a season ago with some positive variance on the turnover side of things and some positive variance on the health side of things where they had a bunch of injuries last year. So that's a team to me that I'm excited about. Obviously, difficult division. You got the Eagles. Giants made the playoffs last year. Commanders, we don't know about how. Like, there's a lot of variance there as well. But that's one team I target for the over. In terms of the under, George, the Rams, to me, it could be a catastrophic season for them. And already, we've seen in the offseason, they unloaded a bunch of veteran talent. There's not much left there. Cooper Cup gets injured. Might not be a long-term injury, but who knows? There could be some potential side effects down the road there as well. And if things start poorly for them, I think it's a situation where they're unloading Stafford, they're unloading Aaron Donald, and they're going to finish with arguably the worst collection of talent in the NFL this year if things start poorly. So I think there's a lot of upside in playing on the Rams' downside this year. 
Uh, but in terms of, of what Arthur suge suggested here, Raiders under and Packers over, I actually don't even disagree with either of those. No, I think those are directionally right. Uh, with the Rams, even if they don't trade their stars, they might just become disinterested. 30 years old, uh, you've got a limited amount of clicks on your body. You might just shut it down earlier in the season. Uh, I'll give you one that I had as a potential over is the New Orleans Saints. They have a schedule full of unknowns, right? They have... The Atlanta Falcons, we don't know how good or bad they're going to be. The Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They also play the AFC South with all those high-variance teams we talked about. Jacksonville, Houston, Indy, and Tennessee. If Derek Carr is fractionally better than we expect, and the other teams are fractionally worse than we expect, then New Orleans might clear their win total by three, four wins. And, and you could look at a top two seed in the NFC if everything breaks right. I, I love that you mentioned that because I don't I don't actually like the Saints as a team, but I think everything sets up well for them this year. Uh, I was telling I was telling Suma a few weeks back if I could bet a prop right now, obviously depending on the price, that the Saints win the division and lose their first playoff game. Yeah, if it was cool. the right price, I would I would absolutely bet it. So I agree with you there. I think there's a lot of upside for the Saints just based off of the the schedule and the way that it plays out for them as always if you do want to interact with us have your questions answered here on our forward progress q a again comment down below email us forward progress at the hammer.bet or just message us on twitter um we, we get to everything we try to incorporate as much as we can into the broadcast and last thing i'll say is make sure you are subscribed here on forward progress set notifications this is very simple you get notified every time a new piece of content is out and i would put our collection our roster of content creators up against any other roster of NFL content creators in the entire world. We have some great betters on here, including George, Suma, Eric Eager, Hitman, the collection of talent we have assembled for this season. I promise you, promise you it will help make you a better football better. So stay tuned for more content here on Forward Progress. Until next time, peace out. Enjoy football preseason.